A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about organization red flags in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... Time for the daily stand-up. Nice. What you got for me, Frank? All right. Hit so. me. Hey! <laughs> so what we've got, um, and and going into the music, hmm, is appropriate here. So mm. there's a new thing on Netflix, and I'm sure you've probably seen it. Okay. Put me on the spot. Can can you guess what it might be? Uh, g- give me give me uh, some some vague hint, other than just music. Other than music. Uh, yeah. Japanese. Ah, mm. all right. I know they. I know they put. I mean, I am kind of up to date on some of the Japanese Netflix shows. Uh, I know they put the Love Bus up there. Um, I can't think of anything Japanese music related. All right, you're you're gonna have to spill beans. What? All what right. am I missing? You have not seen. I assume Agretsuko. Oh yes, I have seen Agretsuko. Okay. Yeah, you should have said you should have said metal. Metal. I think metal would have been more, uh, more on the nose. But no, yeah, I I have seen Agretzko. Jessica has watched like all the episodes. I've watched like six or something. Okay, um, I'm only up to five because I'm trying to space it out <laughs> just a little bit. But I love Agretzko. So here's here's a question that I have about it. Uh, before we start getting into it at all, in the immortal. And continuing fight of subs versus dubs. Uh Uh-huh. What does it mean if the show is made by an English company in both languages simultaneously? At that point, I don't think that you can necessarily say, like, uh, subs versus dubs, one is the clear winner. Uh, In normal, like, like Japanese shows, you know, subs, I, I feel, is superior just because it kind of sticks with the the original intent of the show and uh typically the voice actors are a little bit better there are some rare uh <laughs> some rare exceptions uh like i think that the original voices for dragon ball z were just batshit crazy like like there's there is no <laughs> excuse for some of the voices they chose for uh you know some of the original character actors um or some of the original characters for dragon ball z but most, by and large, like the the Japanese voices are better, um, and and plus, like they're so much more animated and things like that. And whenever you say that kind of shit in English, it just sounds so fucking weird. Like there's like the that. really like uh, like just really angsty roars and stuff just sounds so odd in in English. And maybe to Japanese folks, it sounds that way to them. Like to us, it just sounds like guttural screaming. Um, but no, you know, back to back to the original question. 
I, I think that with this one, ju- you can probably feel free to pick the one you like the most. Uh, personally, I watched it uh, in you know Japanese with English subtitles, but uh, that's not to say that the the English voices are are bad. It's just I, I kind of tend to pick the one that I I listen to first. That's kind of the one that I associate with it, and then anything else is weird. So that that's kind of my yeah. my damage on that one. So the weird thing about this one is like. I assumed that it was because because Netflix will be like a oh, Netflix original when they release in America a show that was from somewhere else. Right. Um, and, you know, they'll just put like a new title card in front of it saying that it's Netflix. Right. And so I assumed they had done that with this one because it was, you know, it popped up and it's like, you should watch this. But then it, it launched directly into Japanese right. with subtitles. Yeah. And so that was my assumption. I was like, ah, obviously this is a Japanese show, but they've got first American release rights or something. Yeah, they repurposed another so one. So that's why it's a yeah. Netflix. But I, I went to look at it, and it's, no, actually this was made by Netflix, and it seems to have been made simultaneously in English and Japanese, but it seems that, you know, in English-speaking countries, it defaults to Japanese. Huh. So, yeah, I mean... That that's definitely odd. I, I didn't even know it. I didn't know it had an English until I was poking around and looking, yeah. and I noticed that there were two uh, actors um, for Gretzko and some of the other voices and whatnot. Yeah, and, and so I was like, an English version. Where the fuck would I find an English <laughs> version? And so I I went and looked, and if you're in Netflix and you just swap the language over to English, it's it's completely done in English. Yeah, I, I did not realize that it was done. Uh, like intentionally simultaneously so i i guess i kind of just did what i normally do and just kind of <laughs> just kind of ignore the fact that something has uh you know english english dubbed voices because i i find them uh overall you know just not as not as great for in, in my in my opinion um so i just kind of like didn't even think about it but um i may have to go back and give it another listen because that that would be interesting to <laughs> to hear it again with you know actual people that um, they intended, you know, the characters to be as well. Um, I mean, I guess really at the end of the day, it's just a, um, kind of a, a simulcast dub that's done very quickly or, or done before release. So, I mean, I guess it's not, not right. overall that much different, but I, I guess if it's with the original intent of doing both, you know, that, that's cool. I can, I can definitely respect that. Um, I'll still watch the sub version probably, but I'll at least look at the dub version. I watched a few minutes in, in English. And I don't know that it, like, is it, is it a dub is, would be my question. Like there's subs and dubs, but is it dubbed if it was made in English originally, just simultaneously to the Japanese version? I mean, my, my instinct is that that's a silly question, but it's really not like you're like, you're right on the money. The the question is what, (laughs) what are the character mouths saying? Like, are they matching up with the English words or the Japanese words? I believe I believe they're matching up with the Japanese words. In that case, that would classify it as a dub. Now, if they are this the, is, this the is English true. voices, then or the English uh, mouth movements, then then it would not be a dub. It'd be yeah, the Japanese version would be a dub. Okay, I I, I would agree with you on that one. I didn't watch it long enough to see 
but of course, logically, they would have to be syncing the the animation to one or the other language. Right now, if they did both, like if they they actually animated the mouths and shit twice, like that would be buck wild. That would be fucking bonkers. Like <laughs> I would I would have so much respect. Maybe not even respect, just like in awe that somebody in a, a position of financial power would choose to do twice the work when it wasn't necessary. <laughs> I might have to go back and and really give it a look. I didn't I didn't watch it in English. I just went, oh shit! You can literally just switch it over to English, and then I I watch it for a couple minutes. Right. But specific to this one, watching it in Japanese with subtitles is mm-hmm. helpful because I'm getting the death metal. Uh huh. But. Since I'm getting text, I know what the fuck she's screaming. Right, yeah. <laughs> I tried it in English. It's the exact same. <laughs> well, you you can't tell. Right. It's, it's ever so, like, I mean, they're obviously doing the death metal in English. Right. It's just, it's so stylized, you know, the 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 scream right. uh, is so stylized that I can't fucking make out the words. You know, I'm just right. like, mm, I know that she's screaming about, I think getting up in the morning here. I don't, I don't <laughs> it, know. It, it, that you're, you're exactly right. Because, uh, you know, one of the things that Jessica did show me, uh, was the, the fact that, <laughs> that the screams in both, uh, the Japanese version and the English version are completely incomprehensible. And, you know, I, I love, you know, metal. I, I listen to, a decent amount, maybe not as much as I did uh, several years ago, but I still mix in a lot of like a you know, melodic hardcore and post hardcore and things like that. Things that have a lot of a uh, lot of screaming and things like that. And it takes, I mean, it takes somebody listening to that type of music a good bit before you can really kind of pick up on um, you know words inside the screaming. Like it is, it is a skill that kind of has to be honed, um, however uselessly, um, you know, over time. But uh, yeah, even even listening to that in the English version, I was like, I I can hear nothing. Like, there's this weird version of the scream. Like, there's like the like the high pitched scream. Then there's like uh, like kind of like the middle like kind of scream. And then there's this. This sounds like like you are just putting a microphone up to like a wood chipper. Like it really is just like the lowest least like a language screaming you can possibly imagine. So yeah, that my, my experience and expertise listening to hardcore music did not help me at all. <laughs> now looking at the billing, there's, there's a, a voice actress for each of them in, in the language, like English and Japanese. Right. But then there's a voice actress for the death metal uh-huh. portions of the proceedings. That's different for for both the Japanese and uh, the English. I'm assuming because, <laughs> you know, they're they're two relatively different skill sets. Absolutely. But uh, there, there's like, even there's even an episode where uh, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but but essentially, Agretzko is like showing somebody else, like like somebody else figures her out, and she's showing them, you know, her her, her karaoke, and yes. you know, eventually she kind of like they're they're like curious how she does it so she kind of like tries to to like teach them how to do the scream and yeah. uh and so i was thinking about it i was like it's like man it makes so much sense why there's a separate person <laughs> for the uh for the scream as for the uh, you know a different person for the scream than 
for the regular voice acting because no fucking respectable voice actor is going to try to teach themselves how to scream and then do it, you know, enough to you know record any length of time for fear of damaging their voice. Because if you do screaming, unless you do it exactly right, like you are going to fuck up your vocal cords. So yeah, you know, that is they're... something that a normal respectable voice actor, like it's like me, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a software engineer, but you know, I, I want to really, get, really get into like, uh, like, um, that little finger game where you put the knife, uh, between your finger and you do it really fast. <laughs> like, it's like, that's my passion, but I, but I need my fingers to work. I'm not going to go into the pro circuit. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the pro circuit of, uh, finger stabbies if I need my fingers to work. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And I do know that there are voice coaches for, uh, metal singers specifically oh, yeah. that will teach them how to do, uh, the, the scream without blowing out their vocal cords. Yeah. And, <laughs> this is telling a little bit about me that I, I wasn't necessarily prepared to do tonight. Um, but you know, there was a time when I, I wanted to be in a metal band. Like I wanted, um, uh, there was a, a decent time where, um, go like, on, like the, the metal scene around like Tuscaloosa and Birmingham, uh, was actually okay. Like it, like it, it still wasn't, you know, necessarily fully formed, but it was, it was actually pretty decent. There were a lot of, uh, really good bands like, um, Dead Man in Reno and um, Gideon. Gideon's still around, and they're still touring and doing a really good job. Um, Mailing and the Sons of Disaster came out of uh, this area. Um, so, I mean, there are there are several bands that actually uh, went on to to do really good things. And so, during that time, you know, I you know I was I was into music. Uh, I wasn't fantastic. I didn't have a whole lot of people around me, but I really wanted to learn how to how to scream. And so, I looked this up. And so. Um, I didn't really have the, the financial means to go to a coach. So I kind of looked up, uh, like the early budding days of YouTube and looked up like, you know, how to scream and do the kind of stuff. Jesus Christ. Oh, um, people in traffic probably thought I was just like a fucking <laughs> madman because I couldn't do it. At the, I couldn't like, I couldn't try it at work. I couldn't try it at home because I lived in a fucking apartment. So, like, the only time I could do it was in my car. And so I was just stuck in the middle of traffic, just going. See, we have we have a lack of closed booth karaoke halls. We absolutely in America. I mean, I know this is this is for the giggles, but but we do like why the fuck don't we have like some sort of soundproof place where people can go and just like fuck just yell at people on the phone or do karaoke or whatever like. I did not realize that was a resource we were lacking, but we are. <laughs> I mean, they've got it in Japan. There's a little red panda, and every day after work, she can go and scream her heart out in a little karaoke booth. <laughs> I'm also pretty surprised that that in that in that show, like sometimes she goes to like the bathroom stall and does it. Oh yeah, that is beautiful. What kind of fucking soundproofing do they have in the bathroom where she can go in there and scream her brains out, and like the whole building doesn't see? I do know that Japanese bathrooms, they're uh, kind of sensitive to sounds, and often they have some sort of soundscape <laughs> going on, like, but it's, I'm talking like beautiful, uh, you know, babbling brook or rainfall right. or some shit, you know, so that nobody has to hear you taking a leak in the next stall. 
I don't think that's going to necessarily like, cover up death metal. <laughs> it's not like uh, the you know the a, a CD that has nothing but like the sounds of of heavy duty machinery. Like that's that's the only thing that can cover up that noise. Oh God! Uh, Want to take the deep dive? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. All right. So today in the deep dive, we want to discuss. Uh, organizational or company red flags, the little hints or clues that maybe all is not what it seems at your job or the company you are interviewing with. Um, I think that I have a little bit more perspective on, you know, red flags with the company that you're interviewing with. But, uh, Frank, what are some really big red flags? You know, just things that, that somebody could, could watch out for in their current job that might spell bigger trouble than they know about. Let's see. From my experience, if um, sales guys are in any way, shape, or form involved directly with software engineers, <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, because their their interests are completely, or not completely, but 90% opposite of what, of what software is. Software is to create the best product, the you know the uh, most efficient product the the product that's going to be most maintainable and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but the ad guys just want to do the, the last person that called them and yelled the loudest that's what they want the software to do yes I mean a sales guy's job is to cultivate a relationship with a client and generally the way that you can most quickly cultivate that relationship uh, is just to do whatever they say as quickly as they say it. Also, there's perverse incentive with most uh, structures in terms of sales. Right. So, like, usually your sales guy is going to get uh, their cut off the gross. Right. So, it's, it's what I usually say. They, they get their percentage at the top line while the project lives or dies at the bottom line. Right. So they are actually generally very often incentivized to to sell shit at a at a level that just is not in any way reasonable for the company itself to to perform at. Right. So they'll they'll sell a you know a sixty thousand dollar job for thirty thousand dollars because they still get their cut at the thirty thousand. But then they don't, you know, they don't have to stick around for when all the software developers are left holding the bag at the end of a sixty thousand dollar project. Right, and I think that that's the company kind of just the, lost thirty on. Yeah, that that's kind of the uh, the the takeaway of that is that essentially the, the reason that people care not only not only should they care because it might you know negatively affect their job quality if they're current if they're always just rushing as fast as possible to get stuff done for little to no money. Uh, but once enough of that happens, eventually you may be out of a job. Like you may be, <laughs> you may be, uh, unemployed and those bad decisions led to that. So, uh, looking out for that early could help. Um, maybe if you can't fix it, at least you can, <laughs> you can have a secondary, uh, secondary escape pod to kind of jettison out to when things hit, hit the fan. If any C or senior level executive type holds a meeting in which they present bad news, but then temper it by saying they do not expect any layoffs, <laughs> that means that there will be layoffs. Yes. And if you had asked me that, uh, 
maybe a couple years ago, I probably would have been like, no, it doesn't always mean that. Um, yeah, with like 100% accuracy, that means that, that, <laughs> that they have discussed layoffs and it's the, the answer that they got, they came to was not right this, not this quarter. So <laughs> that does not mean next quarter the, the heads will not roll. Well, they've discussed layoffs. They're afraid people have heard there might be layoffs. Right. And so what they're doing is they're trying to salt things a little bit, hedge, get out in front of it, so that they don't have, you know, a bunch of people leaving all of a sudden preemptively <laughs> before they're ready for the layoffs. Right. If a company has a lot of really fun, nifty, unexpected things in the office, like beer, um, <laughs> really good free food selection, on-premises laundry services, yeah, I, those I think, little yeah, this was perks. this is kind of a callback to, uh, to I think it was our first episode where essentially uh, we kind of laid out the the ground laid the groundwork for. If you don't want your employees to leave the the building, then you just give them all these perks that basically mean you know you know free food, free drink, a place to nap, uh, laundry service, anything anything like that you can think of, uh, you know video games, TVs, stuff like that. You literally want them to camp out at the office, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they a... never leave, then they're working. Like right. That's that's just how it is. If if I can get someone to take a nap. I mean, even if they fuck around like during the work, you know, the work hours occasionally, they're still going to be here at 10 p.m. You know, they're going to finish their game of Halo and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I guess I should finish that that task and they'll be here. They'll never leave. One thing that I was thinking of is um, if your if your organization has a penchant uh, for knee jerk reactions and this can be, I, I think I'm speaking, you know, the majority of it is uh, in relation to like really important decisions. Like, you know, the company is going in this one direction and all of a sudden they take just a hard left into this other thing. And then six months later, they take a hard right into something else. Um, that to me, and from what, you know, I've, I've discussed with some other folks, uh, a lot of times that means that there's something really wrong at the the top, uh, you know, from from the top down right. or at the bottom line, there's something really wrong, and they are trying radical things to try and course correct. And you know, if they don't do it fast enough, if they don't if they don't find the right path quickly enough, then that means somebody's probably losing a job. Oh yeah, if and it's also often indicative of a power struggle between higher level executives, right. So, like, the CTO thinks we should do one thing and the COO thinks we should do something else. So, they'll, you know, they'll muster enough support for doing it one way for three to nine months. But then, you know, if, if it didn't immediately turn into we're all millionaires and we're retiring, then they'll be able to make an argument on the other side for, well, now we should reverse course and go do it the way that I said we should do it the whole time. Right. And generally what you will get is an argument between, uh, like, the technical officer. Right. And, uh, like, the financial CFO. Uh, you know, the technical guy will want to do it one way that is new and possibly expensive <laughs> and very in-depth. 
Right. While the financial guy is like, no, we should do this as bare bones as possible. And that will suck. So if your company has just suddenly taken a hard left into we're adopting a whole bunch of new technologies, we're adopting a whole bunch of new strategies, and we're going to onboard a whole bunch of people. Onboard a whole bunch of people is the major red flag. (laughs) Hold on to your butts. (laughs) Yeah, if it's a power struggle between the CTO and the CFO, when the CTO's magic bullet doesn't fix everything, then the CFO will get to take over. And generally, that's about the time when everybody starts getting laid off and they start having those meetings where they're saying, we're not expecting any layoffs. (laughs) Or, I know we just had a sudden and unannounced round of layoffs, but we're not expecting any more layoffs. (laughs) See, now, if if I had... if I had experienced this when I had first kind of gotten in the in- industry, I would have thought, "Oh yeah, they're they're embracing change. They're they're really trying to get up, you know, up to date with cutting edge technologies, all that shit." Now, when it, you know, I was about to say when or if, but when something like that happens, I'm typically kind of the guy that's kind of sitting in the corner, everybody else celebrating, and they turn to me, and it's like, "Derek, aren't you aren't you happy about this?" And I'm kind of sitting there, you know, a little bit of a you know, grizzled look on my face, maybe some, uh, you know, my beard has grown long. It's like, oh, summer child, winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared for the winter that come, the winter that follows. My bosses think that I am squirrely as hell because I am, I'm constantly like, oop, something changed. I don't like to start polishing up that resume. Mm-mm, yeah. Mm-mm. All right. So, so I think we covered, uh, several of the, um, the more depressing, uh, or the, we, I think we cover the depressing angle of like, if you're already in a job and you know, you see all these things happening. Um, so folks out there <laughs> that if this is happening in your job, um, yeah, brush up on the resume, may, maybe have that in your back pocket just in case. Um, so the, the other side of the coin is red flags for when you are interviewing with a company, because whenever you go into an interview, it's, you know, there's two things, you know, two major things that happen. Like, they're interviewing you to see whether or not you're a good candidate for the job, but you are also interviewing the company, the people you're going to be working with to see whether or not you actually want to work there because that that is more important than than you might think. Like you may think that they have all the cards and in a lot of cases they have a majority of the cards, but you have to it has to be someplace that you want to work. And it's just important just as important for you to evaluate that during that time. And some of these red flags, uh, <laughs> they can spell things that you do not want to see. Um, oh, yeah. The the one that's first and foremost for me that I have seen so many times, because it's not like I'm interviewing like every week or something like that. But, you know, I've job hopped a little bit just, you know, trying to find uh, a part of the industry that I really want to be in. And the one thing that I've seen that scares the shit out of me the most is when they start shit talking the person that left the position or oh, that they yeah. fired. Oh my god. That that is like a that is an alarm going off in my head because that means they have they have no respect for something. Like like it is a just a such a disrespectful thing. Like even if uh even if they they left on bad terms, like you still have to have some decorum. You can't just shit talk the person. Um, Frank, have you seen this and, and seen, uh, uh, air raid sirens going off? 
I've, I've seen it before, and generally what it means is that management is emotional and not logical, um, right. which doesn't necessarily bode well for an organization. You'll see it a lot in relatively small organizations where you, you definitely have sort of a personality following. Right. Uh, you know, if, if you're being interviewed by the CEO of the organization and he is shit-talking the last guy that was there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, like, baby. This, this is, that, is a bad, that is a bad scene, man. You do not want to get involved with that. I mean, you... And it's the same as uh, relationships. Like, right. If you are on a date with someone and what they're talking about is how absolutely terrible and shitty their last relationship was. Not a place you want to be. Just no. not you. You pay the check. You go. You go home. You get back on Tinder and s- swipe till you find something else. Like that. <laughs> you go ahead and, and uh, abandon that one. I, I think this probably exists somewhere, but they need to have a Tinder app for people finding jobs. Like I'm there, sure that there exists. is one in in town. Actually, it's not necessarily Tinder, but you can see that it was uh, inspired by right. Because uh, of all the like titty pics and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Unsol- unsolicited completely. <laughs> uh, but, but Tinder, in as much as the basic methodology is like, there's a job, and if you and the hiring manager both uh, essentially swipe right, right, then you get connected. But until you swipe right, um, it won't connect you. So that the I think the intent is to keep people from being found out when they're looking for a new position. Right. Especially in a relatively small market like the one we're in now, it can be very difficult, uh, especially in certain aspects of the industry, to be oh, able yeah. to look for a job without immediately getting narked out to the current <laughs> company you're at. I mean, I jumped to a job and like somebody that I had, I had literally, you know, been working with a week before, a week prior to me leaving, uh, all of a sudden their resume goes, ac- or uh, comes across the, uh, recruiter's desk at the new place that I work. And they're like, Hey, this guy from company X is, uh, is applying. It's like, do do you know him? I'm like, yeah, I know him. And (laughs) this is interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be the guy that goes and narcs to, you know, my previous job to tell him, Hey, this guy's trying to leave. Um, but that does leave me in a position to kind of sweep the leg if I really don't want to work with this guy. Like, maybe he was oh, the yeah. guy that I was running away from. <laughs> and, I, I mean, it's not a shady thing. I've done it before. Like, if someone asks me my honest opinion about somebody that I've worked with at a previous organization and they were a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I'll just it's be like. to know. Nah, this guy was a fucking nightmare. Like, this person was not very good at what they are purporting to be good at. That is my, you know, opinion. Take it or leave it. Right. Uh, so another thing, and this one I think is kind of, it's it's kind of obvious once you say it out loud. Uh, if the company has very high turnover, chances oh, are yeah. that that is just a an obvious red flag. The the one that that I think is the other one that really kind of uh, <laughs> kind of. Is that. I've had problems with in the past because I have not paid attention to this one uh, and gotten bitten by it. They can't accurately describe the role. Oh, that one yeah. is is terrible because it's it's a, it's a little bit less sinister, you know, at the inception than uh, than shit talking the person because shit talking the person, you know, if anybody's talking behind anybody's back, like 
that just as a person, you know that that's kind of a shitty thing to do. This one, you may not necessarily like sniff out why it's so bad until you get in the role. And all of a sudden you think, oh, by the time they hire me, they'll figure out the role. No, you are now just somebody's bitch. Like, yes, at, at best, you're just somebody's bitch. At worst, like you're literally expected to do everything and you're on the hook when something goes wrong. Like you are an instant patsy day one. Yeah, no, definitely. That's one that I've seen a lot when the job description is so vague that it's like, hmm, I might be developing software. I might be making coffee and I can't really tell which by the job description. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> or I might, a red I flag. might be cobbling new soles onto you know, fancy Italian leather shoes or I may be, you know, uh, in animal husbandry. Like, if you can't narrow it down to at least a certain field within a specialization, uh, yeah, that's 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 bad news. So, so run as quickly away from that as you can. See, now this is a problem. You know, I, I think that we could probably go on for like an hour about red flags, but I, oh, think, yeah. we do, I think we do need to put a cap on it. Maybe we can do a part two, because I think there's enough... Uh, for a, for another episode some other time, but but uh, yeah, I, I would say let's uh, let's cut it off for now and let's take our trip to accounting. All right, I'll see you down there. All right. What's up, Home Trees? It's me, Chris. And Corey. And Donnie. From the More Gooder Than podcast. For each episode, the three of us pick a thematically similar movie. Like Dances with Wolves, The Last Samurai, and Avatar. Or Deep Impact, Armageddon, and Space Cowboys. And then duke it out until one movie is crowned most goodest. Three movies into, one movie leaves. Ironically, Thunderdome was not the winner when we tackled the Mad Max trilogy. You know why, right? I... Oh, yeah. We don't need another hero! Hey, uh, where can people find more good of them? You can find us on Twitter at MGT Podcast, our website, mgtpodcast.com, and on Instagram and Facebook at more good or them. We're in iTunes slash Apple Podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and any other podcatcher that you can think of. Remember, it's not just good, it's more good or then. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. And we host Oh No Lit Class, a comedy literature podcast that tells you all the strange and sexy facts you never knew about the books you had to read in school. Every episode is a fun, foul-mouthed spark notes for your ears, filled with author bios, plot summaries, bad impressions, and Megan singing. It's mostly you that sings. No, I sing well, she sings poorly. That's not true. So come listen to us ruin classic literature one book at a time at onolitclass.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, lit class. We're for kids. No, we're not. Welcome back, friend. (laughs) How was your journey? It was good, except for the last moment. Like a genius, I decided to uh, I you grab like, a piece of. I thought you meant me talking to you. <laughs> oh, that that was also way to good. turn bad. No, I grabbed a piece of black licorice as I sat down, and I was like, mm, "Why the fuck would mistake? you do that?" 
even I don't if know. You even if you weren't recording a podcast, why the fuck would you do that? Sometimes I'm a dumb dumb Derek. <laughs> uh, All right, got Derek. That, got that question from the audience for me, Frank? I do indeed. A guy at work is always on his phone laughing at memes. He is very young, like 21. I sometimes ask him what he is laughing at, and he always says something like, You know that meme where... And he explains a setup to a meme, laughing, as if he knows the meme is so good, I should know it? But often, I do not know it. Where do I find meme news when I am old and out of touch? <laughs> Sent in by Out of Touch in Opelika. <laughs> so, I think we're in a very unique position here, Frank. Because I feel like I typically, either through my own internet usage or... Jessica being my aggregator for all things meme, I think I've got my finger on the pulse of most of the memes. Uh, you, on the other hand, do not strike me as somebody who is quite... Uh, well, I guess you are on Tumblr sometimes. Uh, oh, oh, no, I'm not. I mean, I know of Tumblr. <laughs> you have referenced Tumblr, something you have found on Tumblr twice, Frank. So unless you're going to tell me you have a you have a social media aggregator... Uh, who is the proxy so that you yourself are not on Tumblr. I think you're already outed, my friend. That is indeed what I'm going to tell you, Derek. Okay. Because right. I'll, I'll assume I it's am, true. I am too old for Tumblr. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think all of us are far too old for Tumblr. Um, but no, okay. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like... Elite Meme Lord 9000, uh, and one being, you know, n you know, banging two rocks together, ne never seeing the internet. Uh, where would you rate yourselves, yourself on your knowledge of memeology? I'll say, now here's the question. Is it my native knowledge, or is it my knowledge that I glean from others? I think it can be both. I, I think... That the aggregation and social sharing that we get uh, from other people that expose us to memes, I think that is a, a core part of, of kind of like the uh, the fabric of what makes up our, our mentality for memes. So I would say that counts. So my native memeology is probably sitting around a two. Uh-huh. But... Uh... My complete memeology is probably more along the lines of a seven or an eight. Mm, wow, you have a very hi highly skilled aggregator, if I, if I have to say, a native of the internet, if you will. Yeah, I, I would rate mine. Uh, my native memeology is probably. I I would probably say probably a four or five. So you know, middle into fair overall. Uh, I'm not. I'm not necessarily. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not making my own memes, so I can't really uh, can't really be at the the front of the pack. But um, a good majority of the memes that that come across the internet space, I am aware of. Um, now, my aggregate knowledge uh, that that crosses uh, my friends, my my wife, um, other you know other folks around the office that uh, also share the memes with me. Um, that, that collaborative knowledge, I think I would put myself closer to, yeah, closer to a seven. I, I, th I'm, I'm not going to say that, that, that collaborative knowledge makes me the, the meme Lord 9,000, but, uh, 
yeah, it's it's about seven or eight. So okay, let, let's let's talk native. You know, native versus native because I think that our 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 collaborative knowledge is pretty similar. Native versus native. Um, when you see somebody laughing in a meme that you don't understand, how does it make you feel? When when they're laughing at a meme that I don't understand, it makes me feel like I am, which is old and out of touch. <laughs> also slightly angry. Like I want to tell them to get off my lawn. <laughs> okay, that, that was that was kind of along the answers I, w- I was expecting. Uh, I, I do feel myself kind of drifting into that from time to time where, you know, I'm a nerd. I've always been steeped in nerd culture. I, I think I got a later start than, than some folks because I, I was all about video games, but um, wasn't able to get into the, the larger geek culture until, you know, my my mid-teens. Um, but, uh, but you know, I've always kind of kept abreast of, of nerd culture and things like that. And even now, like, like with the, the whole Pokemon Go thing, like I, I started, you know, as soon as Pokemon Go released, I, I played it. But pretty soon after, like, it, it kind of got repetitive, and I'm like, you know, I'm never going to be able to go to the places where these good Pokemon are, so I'm just going to give it up. And it just kind of kept kept going, like, like, <laughs> yeah. not, like not, the, not the user base, like, I, I think it eventually quieted down quite a bit, but the people that kept playing were, like, talking a language that I didn't even understand. It was like, what the... F- Okay, and if you can't describe what the fuck you're talking about in in English, you're gonna have to stop talking to me. Like I don't know, <laughs> like what what the fuck are you saying? Uh, so yeah, that I've had that happen a couple times. So um, I didn't expect it to happen so soon because I'm only I'm only 32 and it it's already happening. We are consigned to the dustbin of history. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I am a little bit concerned. Uh, as time goes on, because um, I've I've told myself time and time again that I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be one of those like seventy year old guys that like didn't keep up with technology and things like that. But like I'm struggling to think of like what else is gonna come where, where when I'm gonna cross the line and I'm gonna say you know th- this will be the hill that I die on. I will never have X gadget or something like that. Like what? <laughs> Like what is it gonna be where where I cr- truly cross the line from you know tech savvy middle ager to you know old crotchety man who doesn't trust technology? What will it take? I mean, I think I'm already there. And to answer <laughs> the original question, oh yeah, I how forgot do you we find were doing memes? the question thing. <laughs> like you've got to get someone that is in your life that is like a good decade or a decade and a half younger than you, and then right. just shamelessly crib notes. Like that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. I feel like they probably can't be your child. Like I, I feel like no. it has to be somebody who is uh, not necessarily related by blood, or that you don't like have a responsibility to uh, to correct behavior for. Um, <laughs> because I feel like if they are if they are your child, you know, you have to tell them, oh, you know, don't, you know, don't. Uh, I don't, I don't know. What the, what the fuck do you say to your kids, Frank? I don't know what parents do. <laughs> uh, as little as possible, generally. No, I try to keep them off of the internet as much as I can because I know the internet is a terrible place. I mean, just um, carte blanche, that is a wise move. 
but yet they sell, still somehow uh, access it, and they generally are are coming back with knowledge from the internet that I, I neither understand nor countenance. It is too late, Father, for I have seen. <laughs> but yeah, so so uh, in in your life, you you have somebody that kind of keeps you uh, keeps you abreast of the comings and goings of the internet w- without having to actually experience it yourself. To some extent, yeah, or or will at least um, bring me to bear witness to things. Uh, I think of it less as an aggregator and and perhaps more as a filter. Okay, like, I don't necessarily need to be hit with the constant stream of everything as it evolves on the internet. Right, but if I'm if I'm given snippets of things, then I can you know at least have enough to keep a hand in. Uh, and, and so that I can get the references that are being slyly made by the youth at the job <laughs> site. Cause I do, I have also like, like the original, uh, question asker, I've got someone that is, that I work with regularly who is like 21. Yeah. But he, he can't bust out memes that I don't know. Right. Cause I know some of the memes. <laughs> not not all he has of the to, memes. He has to dig. He has to dig uh, real deep in the meme barrel in order to pull out one that you just it comes completely out of left field. Yeah, I, if I if I just breezily kind of swoop through and you know toss off a reference here or there, that at least leaves him with the assumption that I know much more about the memes <laughs> than I do. Uh, it, it's like uh, in the wild. Uh, you know, the older gorillas sometimes have to, like, there has to be, like, a show of strength or something. Uh, not that they could necessarily overpower some of the younger the, the the younger primates, but they have to, like, kind of allude to the fact that they still have, they still have it in them. So, like, <laughs> in order to, to stop him from, you know, challenging you to a, to a meme off, uh, you have to kind of uh, set the scene that you, that you are all about the memes uh, as to not warrant him uh, challenging you, challenging you for control. Exactly, I have to I have to maintain dominance. <laughs> One of the things that that has begun to happen that is distressing to me is that things that I know are now starting to come up as deeply retro nostalgia fodder. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, like, the advent of Vaporwave was a little disturbing to me. Uh Uh-huh. In as much as I'm like, fuck, I I know the song that this is. Right. Like, like you know the the reference material, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I know the reference material. Like, you're taking something and utterly transforming it, but I was there for the original. Right. And I think that is not the intent here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to call back to it. You know, in some fashion, but it's not really supposed to like. Uh, it, it's supposed to be the old stuff repackaged for for the new kids, and you know when the uh, when the old kids hear it, they're like, "What the fuck? That's just that's just the same thing we always had, and now it's hot again." Like what? It's what like the hell, just, man? You just took a cut from a Diana Ross song and slowed it way down, huh? <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> we, man, if we did, if we did just like, okay, well, I was going to say if we had kept the stuff from our childhood and then just like kind of you know, took it digitally and just kind of mashed it together, uh, that would be something we could make money off of. The problem was that I grew up in the 90s 
And goddamn, if there was not a single thing worth taking out of the 90s that I mean, eventually some of the stuff will will become cool again. But I don't think grunge is coming say, back. It's already started to happen, man. Give it another five years and you'll be like, because I was kind of the same way with the 80s. You know, uh-huh. like some of the parts of the 80s that I did not expect to come back. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess, I guess that's big again now. So sure. So and, and you're exactly right. And and after I, I made my previous statement, I realized my folly because, you know, in, you know, the, the, Mid '90s, late '90s, and early 2000s, there was this uh, movement called new metal, uh, nu dash metal. Um, uh-huh. Essentially, that covers like <clears throat> the original Lincoln Park, um, uh, Mudvayne, Corn, um, you know, some of those bands like that. Um, and so, there's a new cartoon called OKKO, and it's a great cartoon, by the way. So, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, it's by the um, the person who did uh, uh, Rebecca Sugar, who does uh, Steven Universe and um, started Adventure Time and stuff like that. Oh, it's her, okay, yeah, it's, it's her I, partner. I love her work. Yeah, and and this is this is her partner, um, and I forget his name, and I feel so bad, but um, but he's a, a Ian something. Um, he he's fantastic, and so it's a it's a cute little show about like little budding superheroes, and it's 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 so cute. But they had a show, they had an episode that was completely devoted. To like this one villain who made constant new metal references. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is this is one of two things. This is either for the adults that are watching it with their children to say, oh yes, I remember that, or this is like the first sign that it's going to come back. And yep. I just want to like run out into the the, the street with like uh, like those crazy guys that are holding the you know the end of the the world is near signs, like just hold up as like. <laughs> Corn is not okay. Please don't bring this back. This deserves to die in the nineties. <laughs> just, just let it let it go into the darkness. Don't bring it back. Oh God, this is I, one I'm, this is one Pandora's box box we do not want to open. I'm constantly hearing songs now that I'm like, shit that that's great. I don't I don't remember that one. Where what is that from? And then come to find out, it's like new wave, right? And I'm like, oh shit, people are people are waxing nostalgic about things that I remember when they came out, you know? Right. <laughs> things that came out when I was when I was sentient and you know was was an actual person like that. Yeah, I I I feel like I'm safe from that. Like I feel like like grunge and new metal is probably not going to come back in the same way. That uh, some of the the retro wave is doing, but uh, man, just catch me up in about five or ten years, and I'm eating my and I'm eating uh, eating my words, and that will be the day that my soul dies. <laughs> some things deserve to stay dead. Um, want to hit an issue from the internet? Yeah, we took that one down a a weird tangent. Um, all right. So, for the issue for the internet uh, is by Rindo9595KL. So, Rindo. Yeah. Rindo. Yeah, my buddy Rindo. My boss, who is a female, is obsessed with getting all employees to pose in bikinis. But I'm a guy and won't do it. Now she wants to suspend me. What the hell? 
I work for a small firm with 16 people. Last night, the boss told us she wants all employees, whether they're guys or gals, to pose in a in a Brazil flag bikini to celebrate the Olympics. Obviously, the the Rio Olympics. I work with six guys, 10 women in a small business in an slash in an office. I told her, no, I'm a dude, but she was quite insistent about it. And she said, I've got to do this. Uh, I have to get us into the papers. Uh, I'm a guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a guy. You don't understand. We need the viral content. This is for the clicks. We need to go viral. Uh, I'm a guy, and a bikini would be quite awful on me. Even my girlfriend agrees on this. She said the boss has a fetish. Uh, Now she wants to suspend me unless I uh, do it next week on Wednesday. I'm worried this will go viral. Am I wrong to be worried? Uh, And they have a note that they're in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, Phoenix? There are labor laws. I was like, if this is Brazil, (laughs) I don't know what the labor laws are like in Brazil. Yeah, Yeah, knowing that it's in the U.S., like this is... Uh, puts a little bit different spin on it. Um, yeah. So, so the the boss wants them all to pose in bikinis. Uh, they they want to get they want to get it to go viral, and this guy is worried that it will. <laughs> what? Okay. Wow. So, Frank, what would you do in this situation? Well, here there's the what would I do, and there's uh-huh. the what would I what would I suggest should or needs to happen. Okay, because what would I do? Um, I would have my reservations certainly and significantly, uh, and then I would become a meme, right? And I would get my fifteen minutes. Those fifteen <laughs> minutes would be like, my God, check out this cropped picture of this monster. Wearing what looks like a Wookiee costume <laughs> and a Speedo. <laughs> See, and I, I think the unfortunate part about this is that it's not like a, a choose-your-own-Speedo type of thing. Um, so you couldn't even wear your uh, your your metal Speedo that you've been that you've had locked away in your closet waiting for the apocalypse. Oh um, yeah, no, it, I mean it would have to be it have to be Brazil themed. <laughs> I would need the wax to go with it, I think, uh, in order to make it in any way visible. Oh, God. Ow. Oh, no. Frank, That is you did not have to specify. Jesus Christ. Um, but I, I think, like, you shouldn't have to do this, and I'm fairly certain that, you know, legal precedent would be with you. Uh, oh, yeah. if, if you were to fight, uh, that I got fired and, or, you know, some way, any kind of discipline, I was disciplined because I refused to take part, uh, in a, a photo shoot involving skimpy clothing. Right. Like, from, from like, from like a legal standpoint, I don't think that, that there's anything to tell this guy because if, if they even mention that to a lawyer, it's going to be like, yeah, you got you you were uh wrongfully terminated yeah we'll we'll go get you some money my thing is that i want to tell him what he should do is <laughs> is he should he should do it and just just ride the wave of fame um because if this if this was me i mean i i'm 
I'm not going to say I'm the most like body positive person in the world. I mean, I, I know that there are some things that even that are not scantily clad that I don't want to wear for fear of looking stupid. Um, but I think this is, this is the cause that I would lean into real hard. Uh, because, oh, yeah. because if there's one thing, uh, that would go viral, um, just because of, just because of my bad luck, it would be me in four square inches of fabric. Like, like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be the good work that I do. It's not going to be a funny joke that I say. It's going to be me in, you know, the, the, the least amount of clothing that could be considered clothing. Um, and, you know, posed in some <laughs> paint me like one of your French girl poses. I mean, to some extent, everybody has to put the work in. But on the other hand, like, you never know what you're going to necessarily get known for. Right. So I can see to some extent that this person might be wanting to protect their brand. Like, And I get that. I get that. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to be known as the Speedo guy um, if, if that is definitely going to be, like, against everything that you want to do with the rest of your life, like not be laughed at and or mocked on the internet for the next 10 years. And it's not like we don't have examples of this already. Like uh, you had the Numa Numa guy, you had the, 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 the lightsaber kid. I mean, this is not without precedent. Like <laughs> this has happened multiple times before. The, the question is whether or not this person would be comfortable uh, with uh, <laughs> going viral with his bikini pics. Um, so and, I guess and a lot that, that of people these days are are going ahead and leaning into it, and right. not necessarily to the benefit of the planet. Uh, like the <laughs> the meme with uh, the you know such and such terrible statement, uh, prove me wrong, guy. Right. Uh, that guy is like a complete shitbag, absolutely uh, filmmaker who has been riding the fame generated by that meme. Mm-hmm. To like amplify his uh, shit his message, yeah. yeah, and and it's all like not not good not good stuff. So I mean, it's for good or for ill, right? But at the same time, I think, especially nowadays, I think you just got to kind of learn to lean into the opportunities as they present themselves, and uh, and yeah, I would definitely be like, hmm. well, I guess this is how it's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get me at my good an- good angles because uh yeah, we're only going to do this once. <laughs> Although sometimes these things they they don't go viral and f- for that you're thankful. Uh-huh. Uh somewhere unreleased to the public and and not on the internet are short snippets of me uh dancing in an ill-fitting fireman's outfit uh for an unreleased uh, ad that d- never really got made, uh, and, and that never that never saw the light of day. For which I am thankful, because I'm fairly certain that was of of uh, of Jesus Christ. Look at this quality. So, so I'm I'm not I'm not trying to comedically leave you out to dry here, Frank. I am just struggling to comprehend the string of sentences you just put together. <laughs> you are telling me, you are telling me that somewhere there exists a video of you 
in some sort of stripper fireman's outfit dancing around <laughs> to some campy music. Or in the worst case scenario, they hadn't added the music yet. And so it's oh, oh, yeah. just I think dancing the, around. The music wasn't there yet. Because it wasn't. This was never a completed video. This was like an initial shoot for an ad that never got made. So uh, is this like a like a motion only thing where like like you're just like dancing around happily in silence as, <laughs> as onlookers are horrified? What? I mean, you don't want to see behind the curtain how things are made, Derek. Uh, oh. It's not pretty at the best of times. And it is definitely not pretty when it involves me. So I'm not going to ask you to... Uh, to uh, okay, no. I'll, I'll ask you I, off I camera. I couldn't produce this if I wanted to. Like, okay. I, I'm fairly right. certain it has been erased from existence. That's why I said, sometimes you luck out. Sometimes <laughs> this shit doesn't actually get in, into the public eye. Like, oh. I saw it, and I was like, oh shit. Please... <laughs> Just let that not get out onto the internet somewhere. I'm I'm still struggling to come to terms with what I'm with what I'm visualizing, Frank. <laughs> I'm not saying that seeing it would make it go away. It's not like if you've got a song stuck in your head, like go listen to the song so it gets out of your head. I'm just saying that like this is something that, that may haunt me till I die. Um <laughs> at, at some point 10 years down the road you may have like some like private eye like sniffing around your garbage you know uh ruffling rustling through your uh you know receipts that you left out on, on the kitchen table and you, you'll find him you'll corner him you'll ask who hired you it obviously will be me and his sole purpose <laughs> will be to try and find the fireman video yes i'm not going to tell you when but it may happen. <laughs> oh, Derek, just believe me when I tell you that it doesn't actually exist anymore. It was <laughs> ephemeral in nature. Um, that's for the PI to decide. <laughs> All right, I think that's about the uh, the best thing we could punch the clock on. All right, um. Uh, so I want to take a moment and let you guys know how much we appreciate each and every question you send in. It's part of the lifeblood of our show, and without those questions, our show just wouldn't be the same. So please keep them coming. You can send them to questions at WLICast.com, shoot them to us on Twitter at WLMBalance, or go to WLICast.com and click Ask a Question. If you find any funny issues from the internet you'd like for us to read on the air, send them to us as well, and we'll make sure to thank you on air. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. And I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. <laughs> you think I'm kidding about that? You think I'm kidding about that private eye thing? That P.I. Uh, gonna have, he's going to have his fancy hat. He, he may even have... A nice, uh, nice trench coat. 